And a happy Monday to you. Welcome on in to the Amron Illinois Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe, powered by Amron Illinois, powered by Graybar, and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Munganass Burkhardt Alton Toyota. I'm Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne, who has returned from his uh, Cardinal Cruise. And uh, you, you escaped all of the weather here last week. I don't know if you listened to last week's show, but Howard Richards, I think, MF'd you a couple times because you were out on the seas while we were here freezing our asses off in St. Louis. Well, somebody's got to do it. I mean, I'm, hey, sorry, sorry. Don't shoot the messenger, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it looks like you're enjoying yourself down there. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I mean, you you didn't send me any pictures, but I knew of people. I had friends that were on the Cardinal Cruise, and it seemed like I kept seeing pictures of theirs. There's Clabes, uh just you know, hanging out in shorts and a polo on a cruise ship, and yeah. it's uh, you know. Ice and uh, ice and rain down here. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's really the only time of the year where I kind of shut off the world. I mean, I talked to you once. Uh, I didn't talk to anybody back in St. Louis. Uh, so I just kind of like chilled and just spent time with the cruisers. And, uh, you know, it's my it's my time. It's my time of the year. So uh, I don't know what happened in the world other than I saw some signings. I watched some football. Uh, but other than that, you know, I. And well, well, like I said, up here, a lot of frozen rain, a lot of accidents, a lot of uh, people have lost power. And our friends at Amron, uh, hard at work, whether it's uh, the hot weather, the cold weather. And I'm sure at some point they will be getting an award for what they did this uh, and so far in the month of January. They were actually just honored recently uh, for a, the work that they did back in June as uh, back in the, uh, the June storms, restoring power to nearly 200,000 customers. They were presented with the Emergency Response Award by the Edison Electric Institute uh, at their recent winter membership meeting. So congratulations to everyone involved there at Amron for their uh, outstanding work. And uh, Mike, you and I, we've we've talked to a lot of people there at Amron, Illinois, and we know everything that goes into uh, these, uh, these emergency situations when they are required to uh, be out there working um, as out, outdoors uh, for the most part. You know, I'm not surprised that they, they won the award because we've been around working with Amron, Illinois now for a few years and watching how they take this job serious and being prepared. You, you never win against Mother Nature, but you kind of want to be a half game out of first place. And what I mean by that is they, they really go the extra step. And you see some communities that, that don't have the same success rate that we see with Amron, Illinois, and how they put together a real game plan to be prepared for just about anything. And uh, what they do in our community is something that obviously they were recognized for. And as you mentioned, probably be recognized again because, you know, you start talking about elements, whether yeah. it's ice or wind and things of that nature. Um, they they, they pre pretty much have it buttoned up on the, the most they can do from preparation standpoint, along with being better prepared to deal with the aftermath. So, uh, Klaibs, we uh, we saw, you know, in the, the winter weather that we that we saw here in St. Louis. I mean, it's something that's been affecting the entire country uh, so far. I'm sure even down in Florida, it's been uh, probably in the 50s and people are freaking out about how cold oh, it is yeah. uh, down there. So, uh, you know, it's affecting all of us in, uh, in different ways. But as we've seen over the last three weeks now, it's affected a lot of these uh, NFL football games. And yesterday we saw the NFC and AFC Conference Championships probably the best weather weekend that we've seen of the postseason so far unless teams are playing indoors and we are now set for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas I'm flying out there on Saturday for coverage all week long and uh, claims we will have a rematch of the Super Bowl from four years ago the Chiefs and the 49ers will be playing each other at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas a little bit of a different look for both teams I mean <clears throat> obviously you have the coaches you have the uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but, you know, when you look at position by position, there's a lot of things that have changed. And so, you know, when we talk about a rematch, we're talking about philosophy and key players. But, man, there's a lot of difference. Um, you know, you had two really good games yesterday. Um, you know, Baltimore lost their composure, <clears throat> didn't have a plan B, uh, weren't patient, in my opinion, as far as their offense was concerned. And, you know, they had a few bad breaks. And it cost them. 
you know, with Detroit, I know when people want to climb on Dan Campbell's back, uh, that's who they are. Okay. And that's what got them there. Uh, you know, you can go back and say, well, you, you can't take points off the board. I'd be willing to venture for those people who say that, how much did they actually watch Detroit this year with regard to them taking those risks? And, and again, it's the playoffs and you want to be maybe a little bit more conservative, but if you're not used to doing something, then I, I think you put yourself in an even worse situation. So I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, you know, you think about the tip ball <clears throat> off the helmet and the impact that play had. You take that one play away and maybe Detroit wins this thing. Uh, you look at that play. I mean, that that's a replay that we are going to see years. And I mean, the the helmet catch in the Super Bowl by David Tyree. I, that's, I mean, that's second place now as far as yeah. craziest catches that I yeah. think we've seen in the postseason uh, with how how that went down <clears throat> in that moment, too. Because when you look at that, if San Francisco doesn't convert there, maybe Detroit, they finally get a stop in the second half and they start to get a little confidence back. Maybe they score. And, man, I, the, just some of the breaks that they had, I think. Yes, I think it's very easy to blame Dan Campbell for some of the decisions that were made in the second half. But again, the the deflection off the helmet, the fourth down where Jared Goff, I mean, could not have hit his wide receiver more center of the chest, a perfect fourth down pass yeah. that the ball just bounces right off. You look at some of the other things that happened there. I mean, how about the punt that ended up going for a touchback? I, that was about an, it seemed like an 80 yard punt that they uh, that they got off that they could have been down to the two instead. Guy couldn't keep his feet still ends up being a touchback. There were so many little plays that Dan Campbell had nothing to do with in the second half of that game. But it's it's easy to pile on. And as you've you've kind of pointed out, you've you know, you and I have talked about Dan Campbell a lot this season where, yeah, he had kind of the goofy sayings at the beginning of the year. But as you've pointed out, you know he's done nothing but coach good football for the past two years in Detroit. You know, when you, when you look at that team, <clears throat> they have a lot of guys that, you know, you probably haven't heard a lot about because they haven't been on TV a lot. And, you know, for those guys to buy in early and what he was preaching uh, says a lot about them and they'll be back. I mean, you know, they're a very interesting division. Them in green basing, like they're going to be at the top. I think the bears are a little bit well off a little bit with regard to where they fit in. But overall, you know, I don't see why they can't be. Now, the key is they have to stay away from key injury like a lot of teams do. Probably need to draft in another direction this year with regard to maybe a little bit more offensive line help. But overall, they've got the components to really make themselves a competitive team for a few years. They do. And, yeah, if if they can not let, you know, this get them down or change much of their dynamic next year, they should be able to go out there and be a 10-win team next season with yeah. with what they have but you know they're they're also probably going to have to deal with losing their offensive coordinator so how is that going to impact them when when that move comes and they bring in somebody else to run the offense next year it's, it well, does sound like ben johnson's going to be the commander's next head coach here's what i would say to that unless ben johnson takes his quarterback coach with him uh they'll find somebody internally I don't. I think that we make more of that because it's not like Ben Johnson's the only guy that knows the plays. I mean, he has other offensive coaches that work mm -hmm. with him on a daily basis. They help put the game plan together. So unless Ben Johnson takes another key guy, then I don't see why Detroit's going to really miss a lot. And, and I think the best example is, you know, Eric Bieniemy was a coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, and at last check, the Chiefs' offense has been rolling. So. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where obviously they've got to be on the same page, but I don't envision that being as much of a distraction as some might. The Kansas City Chiefs on the other side of things, this is their fourth Super Bowl now uh, in, what, five years, six years? I think the past five years uh, for uh, for them, the Bengals, the only one that knocked them off that one year. But the Chiefs, this is this is a new dynasty. That we are uh, that that we're seeing in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes under 30 years old, about to play in his fourth Super Bowl, and at you know at some point you do have to start giving them uh, I, I guess more credit than I think maybe they're getting nationally for how well put together this organization is with some of the pieces they've lost over the years too. Uh, I agree, but and you know what? I think people who know the game have given them credit. I, I think the people I said more than they already have. I'm talking about you know people that want to sit there and hate on the 
hate yeah, on the Chiefs. Yeah, but that's for a different say, reason, yeah. though. That's for a different reason. I'm talking about the results on the field. And I think when you look at them, uh, they've kept a few guys around. Obviously, Mahomes, they made some guys defensively. Uh, uh, you know, when you look at some of the guys on the defensive line, especially, uh, they've been able to keep a few of those core players together. But I think the fascinating element is to watch certain guys go through the door uh, and they find a way to not necessarily replace them, but be able to pivot and go in a direction that really some teams didn't think they had in them. So I think what we're seeing with Kansas City is unlike New England because Kansas City continues to come back every year, every year. New England did it over a period of time, but I think Kansas City has been more impressive in how they've been able to do it in such a shorter period of time. I I don't think we've ever really talked about your rankings of quarterbacks all time in the NFL, but when you now look at Mahomes going to four out of five Super Bowls to start his career, where uh, where is Patrick Mahomes in the conversation for you among some of the all-time greats? Well, I think the greatest is still Johnny Unitas. Um, and, and I say that because different era, of course, but you know, Johnny, you was every he was he was his coordinator, he was his quarterback coach, he called his own plays, he was tough as barbed wire. Uh, and then you have guys that we look at, and we look at them more as passers compared to quarterbacks, because quarterbacks have to do a lot of things other than throw the football. Uh, but with respect to your question, Mahomes has put himself certainly in that top five, top eight category. And I'd have to think about some other guys. And, and I think the reason why I'm impressed with him. Other than Kelsey, he hasn't had much much help with regard to offensive weapons that have been around. Now, obviously, um, young man this year, the running <clears throat> excuse me, the running back who was what a late round pick out of Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, you know, this guy what Pacheco, he he wasn't projected to be this phenom. Claude Edwards Solaire was a guy who they really thought was going to do the job, but he's been injured a great deal. But when you look up and down their lineup and look at their roster offensively, there aren't a lot of guys that stand out that you may remember from their college days or have had a significant long lasting impact in the NFL. So they, uh, yeah. So uh, we get uh, that in two weeks, 49ers and chiefs will be the, uh, the game Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. As I mentioned, I'll uh, be heading out there on Saturday coverage from radio Roclave starts next Monday, Monday through Friday, we will uh, be out there doing, we'll do this show with uh, with me out there and we'll have a uh, lineup, all kinds of interviews during the uh, during the week out there in uh, in Vegas. Up until now, Claves, I have spent one night of my life in Vegas. I'm about to be there for eight days. It'd be one of the more memorable times of your life, I can promise you that. Uh, you know, I'm anxious to see who shows up on Radio Row because now Radio Row has relevance because the Super Bowls in in Las in Las Vegas. I will I mean, tell you this, I and this is, is what I have what I have heard and what I have heard from others they're talking about there being limited space available on Radio yeah. Row. I don't know how big of a venue they are or how big of a room they are going to be in or how many tables they are going to have available. I have a feeling I will be walking into something that we have not seen before as as in regards to the setup of uh of Radio Row. Well, and here's the other thing. We use the term radio. <clears throat> it's more podcast row. I mean, I I would doubt if you have more than what 6, 8, maybe 10 radio stations. I mean, you'll have somebody from San Francisco, obviously. You'll have somebody from Kansas City, obviously. But what other radio, unless it's a national format, I, what I mean, local station's going to go? You, you get the regulars like me who are there every year. Uh, you get the regulars there that were going there. I mean, there there are still people, Claves, there are still people going there today where I will I will text a picture to Marisek, and there were people there that are still going today that were going when Jay and John were doing shows back there in the early 2000s when the Rams were making Super Bowls. So that's... Well, I that's, guess my question is, who do those guys work for? Right. I mean, it's the the, the format and the landscape yes. has changed dramatically. Exactly. Um, some guys go because they have a credential. Some guys go because they're working for a, a different outlet. Some guys go because they have a podcast. I mean, it, there was a time where it was just strictly radio. Yep. And there was a time where when you did it, you had uh, people bringing people along to promote this and promote that. I think you may see that take place again because of the podcast impact and so many people 
or, or doing them now. So you may see more of them along that line. And, you know, where, where's, a, where's a better place to hang out than Las Vegas? Just let me know if you find it. Uh, here, here's something. I don't know if you're a gambler or not. I but am not, but you, of, but you, you, you tell me events, where. These sort of events, you probably won't find a $10 blackjack table anywhere to be found. There'll be 25 buck tables. And you know what? They, they, they'll tell you, you can keep your $10 because we're going for the big hitters here. So I wonder what the, the table stakes will be for blackjack and for craps and roulette and things of that nature. Outside of just the, you know, simple sports stuff on watching a game, watching a football game and doing a parlay on something with watching my phone. No, I'm not a casino guy. So. Well, just, just stroll through there. You'll, you'll be amused by what you I, see. Oh, that's, that's definitely a plan to, uh, to do that. Hey, um, uh, final thing before we go with the NFL uh, conversation over the last week, it was announced that Jim Harbaugh has taken the job in Los Angeles. He'll be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers as he leaves Michigan after winning a national championship. The head coach of Washington also left his school after winning a national or after being in the national championship game. So of the final four in the college football playoff, three of those teams coaches left after uh, after the season. Well, I can understand why Harbaugh left because they're going to get hit. Uh, they lose a lot of seniors on this team. Uh, I won't say the cover to be bare, but they will have a lot of unproven players. Mm -hmm. uh, the NCAA is still gunning for them. Now that Harbaugh has left, maybe they're not as severe as they could be. So you have that to deal with. Uh, Washington in a similar fate where you're going to lose a lot of your top end guys. Either they're going to go into portal or declare. Uh, Alabama, they're Alabama. You know, I think they'll be okay. I mean, the SEC is kind of leveling off. You know, you have Georgia and then everybody else is still trying to get there. So it, it's probably a good time for those guys to go uh, on, on that front. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think college football is going to be wide open next year. I don't think there's going to be a dominant team much like there was it this year. Mizzou pick to win nine and a half games next year. That's the, uh, the current over-under. That's good enough to have the second most wins in the SEC right now, according to the uh, the experts and those that set the lines on Mizzou. So you'd imagine if you have the second most wins in the SEC, that should be good enough to get you in the top 12 of a uh, of a new tournament format. Well, yeah, you should be. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, again, I don't. I think that, that 12 teams is too many because I don't think number 12 can beat number one. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Football is a little bit different. You went out with skill. Uh, and the skill teams, they, they have most of the good players. But you know what? They're going to go with it. Uh, there'll be somebody on the 13th team that'll be crying about the fact that they're not in. And again, I'm of the belief. And you know, you look at the NCAA tournament. What 64 team is uh, you know beat a number one team one time? Yeah. Okay. And how long yeah. we've been doing this tournament? Pretty exactly. long. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't envision that uh, being any different on the football front. We will take a break, and when we come back, a little baseball news and notes, and we'll throw the Blues in there as well. Uh, quite a bit to talk about with the way they've been playing here as of late. This is the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show, powered by Ameren, powered by Graybar, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, right here on Claves Online. Can Graybar help my electrical and datacom jobs be more productive? Yep. Our supply chain services are designed to do just that. Like job site services? Yep. We deliver the products you need, where and when you need them, no matter your industry. What if I have technical questions? Yep, our specialists are top-notch. Emergency support? Yep, even after hours. They're a unicorn. When you need to keep your projects productive and profitable, rely on Graybar to help you get the job done right. No unicorns required. Yep, Graybar does that. We're back here on the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. Claves were driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Munganass Burkhardt Alton Toyota. And actually, right now, you and I are both driving 2024 Highlanders. I had to take my car into the uh, to get some work done over there at Munganass. So uh, they gave me a uh, loaner to drive back home. And I believe that's also the same car you're driving and that you drove all the way from St. Louis <coughs> down to Jupiter for uh, spring training. I love it. Uh, it's got plenty of space. It's got all the bells and whistles. He drives with regular gas, by the way, which is a big plus. Uh, and just the comfort. I mean, when they designed that vehicle, they designed it not to haul 
equipment. Just they want to make people comfortable. And it's very safe. Uh, and if he can get me to Florida and get you back, uh, it, it, it truly has a testament from that standpoint. But one of the best vehicles I've driven over the road in quite some time. And they have a number of those in stock at Munganass, Burkhart, Toyota. So if you're looking for something different, if you're looking for something fun, this might be the vehicle for you. And if not, there's some other lot cars on the lot. A lot of pre-owned cars available as well. So just go by and see for yourself, or you can go online. And oh, by the way, they do rent cars as well. So there are a lot of different ways you can sample the goods at Munganass, Burkhart, Toyota of Alton, Illinois. Yeah, great rates right now as low as 3.49% wow. for 72 months on some models and also over 250 cars available on uh, 250 used cars available there at Munganass St. Louis Acura and Munganass Burkhart Alton Toyota. So uh, you can definitely find and those are all makes and models too that they have out there in the used cars uh, variety. So whatever you are looking for, they are sure to have out there at Munganass. Klaibs, uh so while you were on the uh, the Cardinal Cruise, uh, who were you out there with who? I saw Brian Jordan, Ray Lankford. Uh, who else was out there with you? Ray King, Kerry Robinson, Kyle McClellan, uh, Chip Carey. Uh, we had a pretty good group. We had a pretty good group. But, yeah, I did see the uh, Matt Carpenter signing. I was talking to somebody in the media about it, and you know what they said? When they first saw it, they thought that the Cardinals' website had been hacked again. <laughs> I saw when I saw the name Matt Carpenter come across the screen, I I really did think that they were just signing him to a one day deal to retire a Cardinal. Me too. Yeah, I, I did too. Uh, I have to be honest with you. I have no idea why this is taking place. Uh, I know they talk about well, it helps the leadership in the clubhouse. You know, I'm in a clubhouse every day, and I'm only in there for a limited period of time. I didn't think it was as toxic as people appear to make it sound like where they have to go out and bring all these added veterans in. Now, granted, I thought it was important to have some people who had a different approach. I thought we were too nice at some points during the season with regard to our pitching. Um, but overall, I, I didn't think it was as bad as maybe people indicated. But I don't understand Matt Carpenter's role because – if there's one thing we have a surplus of right now is left-handed bats. When you think about Donovan and Gorman and Edmund, who's a switch hitter, uh, you know, you think about Burleson. That's four guys right off the top who swing from the left side. I didn't mention Carlson. So you have five guys who are capable of swinging from the left side. Now, who do you have from the right side? Okay, you have Edmund and, and, and Carlson, Luke and Baker. Anybody else? Okay, that's my point. Uh, the other, the other. Thing I just don't because, understand the move. Yeah, the one, the the thing that really scratched my head is, Clay's the last time you and I talked, this was two weeks ago. It was after the uh, after the winter warm up. The one name that you brought up on the show that you said that you really liked and a name to watch in spring training was Victor Scott the second, who also bats left handed. So I I know that that Matt Carpenter is not going to be out there trying to take away a spot defensively from somebody like a Victor Scott or a, a Dylan Carlson. But again, it is left-handed at bats that you might be taking away. I, I guess, is he just, I mean, is it a leadership thing? Is he just going to spell Goldschmidt at first at times during spring training? What's Luke and Baker here for then? Oh, that's, I just... Okay, see, again, okay, do you you're think, going down the same path I am yeah. because of the fact I just don't know where this fits. Yeah. And, you know, because he didn't play in the field that much when he was in with the Yankees and, and the Padres. Uh, so I'm just not sure where this fits. I haven't spoken to Ollie or anybody from the organization about it yet, um, but I am scratching my head over this. I mean, there, and I guess the other thing is there's some pretty good right-handed bats that haven't been signed. Mm -hmm. Adam Duvall's out there. Uh, J.D. Martinez is out there. Now, you may say, well, those guys may cost you a little money. But, you know, it, I, it, I get it. But, man, you know, this team isn't that good yet on paper to feel like they're done, especially when you look, look, look at the bullpen. Now, I know you signed a couple of guys who are going to get minor league invites. But I like to have a little bit more experience, and I'm going to keep saying it until somebody actually says you're right. This team is not set from a closer standpoint. 
Okay, yeah. they, they're not set. I mean, I know that Ryan Helsley has been tabbed to be the guy, but so was he last year. Right. And he was hurt. So was he the previous year and he got hurt or didn't or couldn't pitch back to back. I need somebody who can get me out, you know, back to back days. That's what I need. And I haven't seen it from him and I haven't seen it from anybody else who's currently on this roster. Two free agent names I, I wrote down here for the uh, for the show today. First one, it's a starter, but it's one that we we have heard linked to the Cardinals many times. Jordan Montgomery still hasn't signed anywhere. Does that surprise you that he hasn't yet, given how good of a second half and postseason he had, that he's still sitting out there and we are two days away from February? Yeah, it, it does a little bit, but then you think about it, be it Scott Boris, uh, who's his agent. And I haven't heard any numbers around Jordan Montgomery. I mean, he he checks a lot of boxes for a lot of teams. Uh, but I don't know what the numbers are, and I don't know what the length is. I think that's another thing that may scare some teams. You know, Scott Boris likes to have those long-term deals. Um, and I don't know what Jordan Montgomery has to prove, considering what he did here in St. Louis and certainly what he did in Texas. Uh, this He's a guy that probably doesn't warrant a short-term deal. But somewhere along the way, they've got to figure this out. Uh, and who was the other player you had? The other player I have on my list is a guy that we heard uh, linked to the Cardinals uh, very early on in free agency and hot stove talk. Phil Matten, the uh, the former relief pitcher, I believe, yeah. with the Astros. He was linked to the Cardinals. There was rumors of a deal being in place, and then they kind of said, no, nothing's done, and we have not heard his name at all since then. Well, nobody's heard his name recently, and I don't know what that's all about. He would be a good addition to the bullpen. And I know you say right now, well, look at all the other guys we have. Yeah, I have. And I just don't know. And, and I know you want to see what your own organization looks like as far as pitching is concerned. But I need a little bit more experience. I need somebody else who can close. Uh, and right now we don't have that makeup. We have some guys that can get you to the ninth. I think Kittredge and Gio would be a pretty good combination. Uh, and there are a couple of other guys that I kind of like in that situation, but I'm talking about somebody who can get the last three outs and I don't see, it. Uh, you know, I know Dylan sees his name was kicked around earlier. You know what, if he's available for the right price, I'd still go get him. And I don't care what your rotation looks like. I think yeah. he can help your rotation. Yeah. That's one that we, we have heard him linked to so many teams yeah. during the off season. And you kind of wonder too, I mean, cause there's still names out. I mean, Blake Snell, is still out there too. And guys like Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery, they just cost you money. A guy like Dylan Cease will cost you, will cost you players. Prospects. Yeah. Yep. Now Montgomery and Cease, I'm sorry, Montgomery and Snell are both represented by Boris as well. So yeah, obviously one won't fall, but without the other one falling behind. Clay, before we move on, give, give us an idea right now. I mean, it's, it's January 29th. What is going on down at Roger Dean right now? Nothing. You, nothing to, there's no. Well, I mean, you have some players. Yeah, okay. you have some players like Goldschmidt's here. Um, let's see, Jordan Jordan uh, Walker's here. There's a few other players that are here, but it's nothing like it'll be. Let's say in another week. Yeah, uh, you'll have some other guys falling in the door, just trying to get themselves acclimated to the the rotation and the weather and everything else. Uh, but I, I envision things after. Come next Monday, you'll start to see a few more players here because they don't actually have to. Pitchers and catchers don't report till the 14th. Yeah. Uh, full scale workouts that everybody reports on the 19th. You have about three or four days before you uh, have actual games. And then at that point, here we go. We will be uh, we'll have coverage all uh, all spring training long, Claves, as you're already down there and uh, you have a uh, cast of friends down there as well to help us bring uh, bring coverage and reports from spring training all of February and March before you head out to Arizona and then make your way up a little bit to uh, to L.A. for the start of the season against Shohei Otani and the uh and the Dodgers before we move away from baseball last week Hall of Fame announced uh inductees for this upcoming season Adrian Beltre we kind of knew that he was a lock to get in two others that are I, you know I'll, a bit of a surprise I think Todd Helton Joe Maurer both going into the uh to the Hall of Fame claims your thoughts on the 2024 class that also includes Jim Leland well I thought uh Certainly, Beltre was the first ballot guy. I didn't think there's any argument with that. You know, you kind of forget about Meyer. You kind of forget about uh, Helton. Uh, I don't have a problem with them. I thought Andrew Jones was worthy of it. 
Yeah. And I, I really think the whole voting process is flawed. I'm of the belief that if you didn't cover players in that era that they were playing, then your vote shouldn't have as much of an impact as a guy who saw players play. Um, I think Hall of Famers should have a vote. Um, you know, or, you know, I think they should have a vote on who should be in. I, I just think there's too many people voting, and most of them go to baseballreference.com and look at their numbers and say, oh, yeah, yeah, he should be in. Or, no, he can't be in. Look what his war was. I think that this is an event that you have to put eyes on. Yeah. And if you didn't see him, if you didn't cover him, then you don't have as much juice as the guy who did. The uh, the Joe Maurer one, you know, when when you look at it, when you stack it up, when you give his, when you talk about his credentials, his accolades during his career, okay, you can make a good case for him. But I think if you're going to do that, anybody out there that wants to talk about Yachty not being a Hall of Famer or give, oh, but this or but that for that, just that tells me everything I need to know about you as far as what you know about baseball. If you're going to sit here and talk about Joe Maurer being in the Hall of Fame and then give me your reasons why you think Yachty shouldn't be a first ballot guy. Well, yeah, you know, that's a good point you make. And, uh, you know, I think with Joe Maurer getting in, it's, it's Yachty's now a true lock. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other catchers who played in, in earlier than Maurer. Buster Posey's going to get in now that Joe Maurer's in. Buster Posey's a lock for being yeah, first yeah. ballot too. Well, I don't know about first ballot, but he, he'll he'll get in because he's Buster Posey. He's got the world championships and all that. Uh, there was a guy who caught in Atlanta, Dale Murphy, who caught in Atlanta and played in the outfield, a very versatile player. He, he should be in. Uh, but they kind of overlooked him because, you know, again, if you didn't cover him, you probably didn't pay attention to him. And I just think that the way we're going about it is all wrong. And, and there's some good players that probably should be. How's Gary Sheffield? He's got 500 home runs. Yeah. You know, and he and his numbers drop. And that's over the years, uh, the, the, you know, he gets that label of being a compiler, that he hung around so long to get those numbers. Well, and there's a lot the, of guys like that. Right. And I think the more you look at it now, I think, you know what, that, that shows an even better quality that you were able to stay healthy and you were able to play on all these teams in maybe two different eras of the game and keep putting up those numbers to get to those milestones. No, I agree with you. Um, I think that's one of the most bogus arguments I've ever heard. And I've heard people use it before. Uh, and I think, again, th this thing has become more subjective, you know, because you can make an argument against somebody. It's the same argument I can make for the person against you about a person you like. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just think that we become too subjective and we're not paying attention to what they do. I don't care if the guy didn't talk to the media. I don't care if he wasn't what you would call a good guy. If he performed and played on the field the right way, as far as being a hall of fame or have a hall of fame attributes, then he should be considered. I'll tell you another guy who's in that predicament, Jeff Kemp. Jeff Kent was, was a guy who nobody liked. You know, he didn't get along with anybody. But you know what? He's as good of a second baseman as there was during his time. So, you know, but he doesn't get the he didn't get the notice because he, he was kind of like buried by he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. And, you know, media guys remember that kind of stuff. The uh next year is going to be a uh is gonna be a good test for some of these writers and who wants to kind of anoint themselves as being, you know, the uh, holier than thou as being more important than they really are. Because you, next year on the ballot is the first time Ichiro will be on the ballot. So far, Mariano Rivera is the only person that's ever been a unanimous Hall of Famer, 100% of the vote. Can you imagine anybody not voting for Ichiro and what their reason is going to be next year? Yeah, I can imagine somebody doing it just because they want to be different. And that's you know, not take that vote not, away. You know what? You lose your vote. Like something like that. It's you're talking about having guys only vote if they covered that player or maybe Hall of Famers. If you want to sit there and you want to feel important by not voting for somebody like Ichiro, okay, you know what? Maybe this isn't for you. You won't have an argument from me. I I, I think so. there's Joe, there's a handful of guys on the planet that fit that category of each row. The next guy would be Albert. Uh, you know, we just don't have that many guys. And it's just common sense. It's common sense. And if you can't abide by common sense rules, give me the vote back. Yeah. I, I exactly. have no problem with, with them revoking that person. Absolutely. Uh, 
because I don't know what Ichiro didn't do in both leagues. Yeah. I mean, and he, yeah, he's as good of a player as I've ever seen. Hey, shifting gears over to the NHL real quick, Claves. The Blues came home yesterday. They won another overtime victory over the Kings, four to three. I know you've been on uh, you've been on the cruise. You said you haven't been following much. Have you had a chance to just kind of look into what the Blues did on this recent West Coast road uh, road trip and what they did yesterday? Very impressive West Coast swing. And whether it's hockey or baseball, anytime you go out to the West Coast, it's hard to dominate all of those teams. The Blues are able to come away with six points on the road trip. Uh, did a really good job. I'm not sold on them, though. I, I still think they lack some things. Still very inconsistent defensively. Uh, the big guys aren't producing with the exception of Robert Thomas. Bushnevich is starting to come around a little bit. Uh, I don't know what's up with Cairo. You know, he had a goal and two assists yesterday. Uh, defensively, they still make one too many mistakes in their own end. Defensively, there's still a team, as far as their defensemen are concerned, uh, not as physically present as they need to be. And I think that costs them from time to time, along with the fact they don't jump into plays offensively as much as they, they should uh, in this day and age of the National Hockey League. The uh, the Blues right now, 54 points that put them in the uh, the second wild card in the Western Conference, one point ahead of Nashville. And when you look at it, it's uh, when you look at those standings, I don't know how many uh, – casual hockey fans are paying attention to what's going on in Edmonton right now as the Oilers are on a 16 game winning streak still not even close to being at the top of the Western Conference with this 16 game winning streak but nonetheless uh going out there and breaking records with uh, with the run that they've been on well they've been better defensively and I mean they score a lot of goals I mean obviously when you look at Drysdale and McDavid you know, Evander Kane is a guy that can score goals. Their defense has been better. Uh, they they jump up in the play a little bit more. You know, and, and you go back to you hearing the turn, well, and they needed a different voice in the room. And Knobloch was a guy who coached the minors who obviously is pushing the right buttons. But I think it starts with the goaltending and works its way out, and they've been much better in that department. And I think a lot of the reason has been they're better defensively in their own end, and, and they get a lot of odd man rushes coming out of their own, own end because they're in position defensively. So – uh, it's a fun run. Some would say maybe they peak too soon, but you know what? You take the points when you can get them. I was going to say, they need the points to to get themselves yeah. in the playoffs right now. So if that's what it takes, I mean, they'll they'll gladly do it. And we saw, well, we saw the St. Louis Blues do that a few years ago, yeah. and you saw what happened with them. So it it's didn't possible. Stop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they just kept climbing and climbing and uh, went on a nice run in the uh, in the summer. Let's take our final break, Claves. When we come back, a uh, some hoops talk. Uh, a lot going on in the NBA here as of late. The uh, the, the NHL, they have their all-star breakup in Toronto this weekend. And NBA, not too far behind with theirs, theirs in is Indianapolis. Sunday. Yeah. So we will talk about that when we come back here on the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe. Powered by Graybar, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Are you ready for a challenging and rewarding career? There are quality jobs in the construction industry. I got out of college and my career choices were very limited and this provided me with a plan for the present and the future at the same time. I actually have a bachelor's degree in psychology and I was making less than I make as a first year apprentice painter. I didn't go to college. I have no college debt. I make more money than the majority of people I know that went to college. Take your first step towards a rewarding career. Visit stlouispdf.org. Final few minutes here of the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. Claves, while you were uh, were out there traveling with the uh, the Cardinals and uh, Chip Carey, a lot going on in the NBA this past week. Uh, first off, the Milwaukee Bucks fired their head coach and uh, close to coming with ter- to terms with Doc Rivers to be their next uh, their next head coach. Um, I, you knew he wasn't going to stay out of the game long, but I don't think many people saw him ending up in Milwaukee this, this fast. Well, you know what? I'll go back to the beginning of the season when Adrian Griffin's number one assistant, Terry Stotts quit. Um, that was a red flag for me because Stotts is the reason why, um, they ended up having Dame Lillard there. And, uh, when that situation started to unravel and it really started because he, like start yelling and screaming at one of his coaches in a practice. And, you know, that's something you do later. You don't 
you know, admonish your coaches. You talk to them in a professional manner later. So that was the beginning of, I think, what was a concerning dressing room with regard to Griffin trying to prove himself to his players. He's 31-16. He's second best record in the the, uh, Eastern Conference. So there was more than just coaching or wins and losses that obviously became an issue with this ball club. Uh, Doc Rivers is a guy who's been there. He's a settling influence. I know people remember him from his days in Philly where he came up short. You can't win with James Harden on your team, okay? So that was part of his problem right there. Um, so with that said, probably the quickest fix of any coach that was out there at unemployed at home. Uh, one of the things we learned about Milwaukee, they had a short leash, man. If you don't believe me, ask, ask Adrian Griffin or Mike Budenholzer, you know, how they got the deep six in a very short period of time. Uh, so, yeah, it was a little bit of a, a – uh, not necessarily a huge surprise, but something that was in the back of your mind. You say to yourself, well, you know, you, you see the body language of players on the bench. This could happen. Claves, uh, also in the NBA this uh, this past week, we have seen some ridiculous point totals by individuals uh, throughout the league. Devin Booker scored 62 over the weekend. Luka with 73 over the weekend. And Joel Embiid, what did he get? He ended up with 70? 70. Yeah, 70 the other night, uh, too. I were, you know, it's to have one of these pop up a season that's it's pretty impressive, but to have three of these happen, I think, in the span of was it two, three nights? Yeah, it was three nights. Uh, but you know what? It's not a surprise because we're getting near the all star break, and some guys have kind of hit the wall, and other guys look at the schedule, and so I can do these guys, and I think that's what you're seeing also. Uh, it, but we have these spurts during the course of the year. But when you talk about anything over 50, it starts to raise an eyebrow. Uh, and it also shows you how uh, this league is truly about the offense these days. If you can guard somebody, then hooray for you. But we're looking for offense. Uh, I'm going to run something we haven't talked a great deal about. I, I have a real concern about officiating uh, in all sports. Uh, I'm just seeing too many bad plays, bad calls, or lack of calls uh, made in a number of different sports, and I'm not sure where it's headed. College basketball, I I can't even watch anymore. It's hard to watch, and because our teams locally are bad, uh, it gives me a reason not to watch as well. But, man, the officiating is really starting to be concerning. The uh, Yeah, and (sighs) – I, I, it just seems like NFL seems like baseball are just having more that they're having their own issues that basketball seems like they might be flying under the radar with some of this. Oh no. If you look at basketball, they're getting, they're getting called out. They they had a, a, a deal last week where there were 10 missed calls in a two minute span, final two minutes. Chauncey Billups was also involved where he got ejected, where he was basically in the guy's face calling for a timeout. They didn't give it to him, but they called a traveling call. I mean, there are just too many things that are starting to say, hmm, it it doesn't have the right smell to it. And I don't know whether the gambling impact has had a lot more to do with it, but it's not what I feel like is going in the right direction. I'm not sure what you can do about it at this time of the year. Uh, Hopefully coaches can get together with the league and just say, hey, here are the things we see. Here are the things our players talk about. Let's see if we can zero in on those things and then just call everything else that's in the rule book and we should be all right. The uh, you, college basketball, by the way, uh, we need to start paying attention if you haven't already. Caitlin Clark is probably a couple games away from breaking the all-time scoring record on the women's side. Of, uh, of things sitting right now, 3,389 points. She's got about uh, two months left in her season to score 250 points uh, to break the all-time record. That, uh, that shouldn't be too hard for somebody of her caliber to do. She's a very intriguing player to watch. Uh, kind of reminds you of Jackie Styles when she was at Missouri State and she was just going nuts. Uh, I think Caitlin plays against a little bit better competition. But overall, uh, she's got the complete game, man. I mean, she can shoot from three with confidence. Uh, she can post you up. She can get herself to the free throw line. And she's not a bad defender. So uh, she has been fun to watch. And you know what? Maybe the only bright spot in college basketball, both men and women, I don't see anything like that on the men's side. 
I mean, the teams no. fluctuate. I don't even know why we have rankings because every day somebody gets knocked off. Uh, I don't think this has been a very good year for college basketball. As I mentioned locally, it's been awful. Uh, th this St. Louis U team might be one of the worst teams I've seen, period. And I, and you the, can't fix it this year. No. the uh, Mizzou, I mean, Mizzou's just kind of playing out their schedule right now. They have the big recruiting class coming in next year for them. So that's where, uh, that's where Gates gets his, uh, I guess that's where he's going to be graded on next year for that, uh, for what they do in 24, 25. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think they're playing for next year and basically auditioning players are auditioning to see if they're going to be back next year. Yeah. So uh, that, that's another issue that comes into yeah. play. Caitlin Clark, four points away from tying Jackie Stiles uh, for fourth all-time on the list. Number one on the list, Lynette Woodard uh, with 3,649 points. Caitlin Clark right now sits at 3,389. I didn't realize that – I mean, this is recent. I mean, this is six, seven years ago. I've never heard the name Kelsey Plum, who uh, was uh, who's number two all-time. Uh, from Washington, she played there. She graduated yeah. in 2017, and Kelsey Mitchell in 2018. That just shows. That just goes to show Caitlin Clark putting women's college basketball on the map with uh, with how she's played. Well, you think about Lynette Woodard and how long ago that was when she played, where the three point shot was not in vogue at that point. L Lynette Woodard kind of reminds me of what Kareem meant to the NBA when LeBron was chasing him. And I always remind you, you know, Kareem took what two three point shots in his whole career. You know, so when you look at LeBron, who's made a reasonable amount of success in making three-point shots, Caitlin Clark is kind of similar to Lynette Woodard, where Lynette Woodard did it from the block down. I mean, from the free throw line down. Yeah, Lynette Woodard, uh, I have the list in front of me. Field goals made for Lynette Woodard, 1,752 field goals made. Baskets made in her career, 1,752. Caitlin Clark right now is at 1,113. That's my point right there. Six. So Lynette Woodard made 600 more baskets in her in her playing career for that. Hey, Claves, before we uh, get out of here, I just want I want to know your thoughts because we we talk. I'll, I I try to work WWE stuff in here as often as I can. Uh, we saw last week they they start off the week on a high note. They announced the deal with Netflix, which I imagine all four major sports uh, sports kind of looked at that deal and wondered how that was going to affect them in future TV deals to come with WWE moving over to Netflix in 25. And then the news comes out of uh, more Vince McMahon scandals and adding more and more names onto the list as an outsider from the world of wrestling claims. Uh, when you see that and read about that, uh, your thoughts. Well, you know, I'm not really moved by it as much as some would be because Vince McMahon is more of a guy who's a figurehead the actual guy that has his fingerprints on WWE. There are a lot of other people that have now moved into that role. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he obviously was the pioneer. Uh, he's had some other issues in the past that have made people raise an eyebrow to his tactics as far as wrestling is concerned. Now it's out of the ring. Uh, it, it's more, I guess, hype would be the wrong word, but it's more uh, the fact that he's the most recognizable name in wrestling that's not in the ring. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, as well as anyone, he doesn't have that sort of juice anymore. He doesn't have that no. kind of juice. So and now he'll step aside, uh, maybe because he's been the voice of wrestling in the face of wrestling for so many years. Uh, you know, who, who's next? Because when you look back, you, you look at sports of the individual variety, like boxing, like wrestling, uh, you know, when you look at boxing, you always thought of the Don Kings of the world and the Bob Abrams, the promoters. You look at Vince McMahon and wrestling. You look at uh, MMA and you think about Dana White. You know, those guys are the faces of these individual sports. Uh, and they've been very good marketers. So the question is, who's going to be next for WWE? Because WWE is now kind of owned by... It's, it's not the good old boy network anymore. These people who now have a piece of it are actually people who know how to make money. And TKO so, is the uh, the name of the company now, and they own both WWE and UFC, and they're a publicly traded company. So they, uh, you know, last week they just announced that Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is on the board of directors now, and there's other people there that you've never heard of that are yeah. on the board of directors making these big decisions for them. But with the deal with Netflix, you know, 
baseball right now is in a really weird time where we don't know what's next for them as far as a TV deal goes. Uh, have you talked to anybody baseball wise about no. just kind of how this might play out or if no, they paid attention you know what? to because it? I'm sure they are, but you know, here's what's going to happen. If baseball doesn't pull it together here soon, they're going to be left without a chair when the music stops because the NBA is already setting up their deal. It's going to include streaming and everything other, every other way imaginable. The NFL speaks for itself. The National Hockey League is a National Hockey League, and I don't know how they grow their brand beyond what they have now. Uh, I think I would, if I'm looking at the NHL, I'm saying the ESPN, look, you got to be better in how we promote our game. Uh, I think they're going to have to probably look at another method of out, you know, outsourcing. Um, so you have them. And then you have baseball that doesn't even know how to put its local games on. Their, the national numbers aren't very good. Uh, and, you know, the streaming outlets are going to go, they're going to say, we're going to take this guy, we're going to take that sport, we're going to take them. And then they're going to look around and say, nah, we're good. Yeah. Good luck. You know, because they can get it at a lesser price as well. Yeah, we will. Uh, yeah, we're still waiting to hear how uh, how, how baseball is going to uh, to work for the next uh, this year, next year, and how we're going to be able to watch the uh, the games. I imagine right now we'd all just assume that it's going to be on Bally's like uh, like we have been over the years. But yeah, I feel like that could change overnight. It could. And, yeah. and you know, here's the thing about baseball fans or well, sports fans as a whole. And we saw it this year with the NFL when they decided to have a. a, a a game that they streamed and you, you saw how, how people just, just cried and moaned and belly ached about it, but they found a way to watch the game. Yeah. So if you're baseball, you have to be very careful. They, they kind of started it with Apple and they got a lot of pushback by Apple. I mean, from people who didn't have Apple and, you know, because it's more of a traditional sport where they know a channel is going to be on. But when you start messing with streaming and having to download this and do that, some people just like, I don't want to do all of that. you know. But once you get it set up, it's not that bad. But it is a different method of how you watch your games. And we're going to see more of it. Klabe's uh, final week, you said down in Jupiter before uh, players start kind of showing up more and more. What do you have, uh, what do you have planned? That's a great question. Uh, are, you are you golfing yet with your uh, no, with your new no, I'm still in rehab. I'm okay. still in rehab, but that's going to start hopefully later this week. Uh, the one thing that I'm looking forward to, you know, we were, ho we were hoping to get Brad Holmes on, the uh, Detroit Lions general manager, who, in my opinion, should probably be the GM of the year, uh, executive of the year, the National Football League, uh, working to get on him. NHL All-Star game coming up. There may be a few people that will be around that we can talk to about that. And uh, the NBA All-Star, uh, I decided I'm going to try and slip into there for a day or so uh, before we get things started here. So I'm going to be moving around a little bit. So if you fly into that Indianapolis airport, Claves, you can play a few. Uh, you can play a pickup game. They got the full courts uh, basketball setup there at the uh, in the terminal. So here's what I'm going to say about Indianapolis. Indianapolis is what St. Louis should have been 20 years ago. I mean, St. Louis has missed the boat once again. When you think about Indianapolis, Minneapolis, Kansas City, Nashville, there are a lot of team cities around St. Louis that have figured it out and have moved on, and it starts with your airport. Um, you know, all those cities I just talked about have some intriguing elements to their airport. And let's face it, airports are a first impression. It's the first thing a person, when they visit a city, fly in. They, that first thing they're going to see is what the airport's all about. Well, you uh, you let me know what that court looks like when you uh, when you get up there this weekend. Until then, uh, like I said, I think John and I might uh, John and I Marisek and I might put out a show this uh, this week talking about some of the latest allegations and uh, reports from the WWE. It's pretty gory, you know. Yeah. You read them, you know. You're saying to yourself, "This Vince McMahon is <laughs> he's a different kind of cat." I mean, you know, some of yeah. those things you're like, "Okay, really? Oh, hell no." I mean, so there was a little bit for everybody if you look through it. But uh, you know what? It, it's unfortunate that he's going to go out being remembered for those allegations more than anything else he's done for wrestling. Yep. Exactly. And uh, too many times we've seen a story like that play out over the uh, over the years. And then Andy Hanselman and I do our show later this week. I got Ross Tucker on the uh, on the show this week. Uh, he's he's come to be a regular the week. He's before done a really the, nice job. Hey, what yeah. you, you know what? I was going to ask you. 
uh, what did you think of the broadcasters and broadcasting of the playoffs this year? Uh, I know everybody's crying about the fact that uh, Greg Olson uh, did his last game as a number one analyst. I, I like the we'll, guy. We'll see about that. I mean, I, I still feel like that's – you know, I, I still feel like he's not completely out. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see Tom Brady out. coming in. No, I, I'm just saying I don't see Tom Brady wanting to stick with that and do do that. I, I don't think it's going to be as easy. As what a else is job he is, I, I why wouldn't he? I mean, I feel like he'd be more studio work or just not just get away from the game and work on his brand. He is. He, he did get away from the game. I know. But see, here's the only and thing. He already about pushed Olsen. it back one year. Here's the only thing about Olsen. I think Olsen is a guy that gets caught up in terminology so much that you're not, you're not explaining what it is. You're just saying, well, that's the old tackle seven or the old wide tackle six. You know, well, you know what? 99% of the people you're talking to didn't play on your team. Yeah. Doesn't have a playbook to read it. Now, if you use some common sense, you can probably figure it out. But I really feel like if you're going to be the number one guy, quit being a predictor. Because we know it, we know that you're sitting in the squad meetings and they're telling you what plays they like to use and down and distance. So don't act like you know you you, you you're not Hank Stram, okay? Hank Stram could do it because Hank Stram coached and all he had to do was look at film and he knew what was going on. A lot now, analysts sit out and coach and broadcasters sit out with teams, sit out with the players and the coaches and talk about what they like to do in down and distance or what they've seen on film. So that's not making it seem like these guys are geniuses. So, you know, overall, I don't ever turn TV on to see who who's broadcast. I, I can watch a game myself. Yeah, I think it's I mean, it's obvious if you're ranking the top teams for all of the networks. I mean, it's obvious Fox is at the bottom of, of that list right now. And losing, you know, losing Joe and, and Troy hurt them immensely as far as the the quality of their broadcasts. I my my number one still I I listen I, I love listening to Mike Tirico and Collinsworth on Sunday nights. I I really do enjoy them listening to them do a game on uh on Sundays. So I know I know Chris Collinsworth isn't for everybody, but I think uh my I, I think Mike Tirico brings them up to a uh to a level that that allows me to uh to enjoy the whole broadcast. I think I think both guys put a lot of work in. I think they're very well prepared, and I appreciate their preparation. Uh, I can give you a half dozen guys I'd rather take for different reasons. I mean, you know, Summerall, Madden didn't get didn't get any better. Uh, Brookshire, Summerall, outstanding. Uh, Ray Scott, you probably never heard of, him, but he was Pat Summerall before Pat Summerall. Uh, Al Michaels, Monday Night Football, when he had some good people to work with, like Dan Deardorff. As those are pretty good combinations, uh, you know, but again, it's to each his own. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Uh, I, I think all these guys really work hard and they, they, they're prepared, uh, you know, and you can't overlook what Joe Buck's done, what he and Troy right. Aikman have done over the years. I mean, there's so many guys who have done a remarkable job because it's hard. I mean, you say, well, you only got to prepare for one game a week. Yeah, but you know what? You got to be right. You got to be right. You got to make sure you call it like you see it. Now, granted, you have multiple people in your ear. You have spotters. You have rules people. You know, you have a lot of people helping you along the way, but you still have to put the work in. Exactly. Claves, that's going to do it for our show today. We will check in with you throughout the week with a variety of shows here on Claves Online. So keep checking where you get your podcasts or just have it uh, that alert sent to you so you know exactly when a new podcast is put up here on Claves Online, wherever you find them. Until then, he is Mike Claiborne. I am Joe Roderick. We have been powered by Amron, Illinois, powered by Graybar, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, right here on Claves Online. Munganass St. Louis Acura would like to upgrade your current BEV experience. The new ZDX offers the performance that you expect from Acura, but upgrades your ownership experience with our award-winning team. Whether you're looking for a more convenient charging solution or an upgrade to a new vehicle, come in today and make a reservation for the all-electric ZDX coming soon. Munganass St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.